another edition of Eleven Mile Sessions Live. I am your host, Scott Bowright, as always. Got some great uh, videos coming up for you. Uh, shortly, we're going to have an interview with Maggie Coco. She's going to tell us about the the Music Maven of Michigan uh, fundraiser that's coming up next week and a bunch of other things. And live at 7 o'clock, we have the band Spur Tongue. So stick around. Right now, there's going to be a cool show happening at the Lager House in Corktown. That's tomorrow night, Friday. Doors at 8. We're going to have some bands, Hillbilly Knife Fight, The Beggars, and Uncle Lalia, including a DJ on that bill, I if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, let's start out with the videos, and right now we're going to do one by Hillbilly Knife Fight, and this is a track called Donkey Seed.
goes. <laughs> Wish I started that. <laughs> we have our seatbelts on, right, Mike? Back here just have to do it right. They changed the locks. And now we ain't got no place to sleep, bummer. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I get around, babe. Get around. I get around.
everything. Criticism. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah agree. Yeah. 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 Nice. Pretty well spread across the board. Of course, you still have to have your... All right, so that was the Antibodies with Like You Know Whatever. Before that, we uh, saw the Blitzers with Fuck That, Fuck What They Say, rather. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be playing with Casino and the Counter Elites. That's going to happen at Ziggy's in Ypsilanti. That's tomorrow night, doors at 8. And we started off with the Beggars with This Part of Town, and before that, Hillbilly Knife Fight with Donkey Seed. They're going to be playing with Uncle Laley and a DJ tomorrow night at the Lager House, Friday, doors at 8. All right, so as promised, in the studio I have with me Maggie Coco. How you doing, Maggie? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And we were just talking about before the interview, it's been quite a few years. We go back to uh, WHFR and Henry Ford College. Science for Sociopaths played, uh, I don't know, something like seven, eight years ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah, right at the beginning when we were kind of going through a, uh, when we had a, a full band and we were doing kind of a shoegaze mm-hmm. phase, uh, a transition through um, from what was just Maggie Coco and the Maggie Coco band and some different things. And I, I ended up having to do several brands um, because mm-hmm. the, it was just writing music in a lot of different genres. It was very confusing to have it all under one brand. So um, I, Science for Sociopaths is, has lasted as a brand, but it's evolved a bit since then. Okay, so this is kind of a homecoming for you. you yeah. Know, you were uh, pretty much raised in Sterling Heights, you said? Yes, yep, correct. Wow, that was a, that was quite a long time ago, though. Um, I know, uh, what do you think? How has it changed since then? Um, well, I mean, I haven't been back home since before the pandemic, and um, and this is the third stop on the, well, I guess it's the fourth stop on the tour. So we started in New Zealand, which is where I'm based currently, mm-hmm. and then we went over to San Francisco, which is where I was based prior to being based in New Zealand, and San Francisco has changed a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling of the city is, is completely different from what it was um, pre-COVID, uh, but thankfully, a, a, a Quite a few of the people um, and places that I w- frequented are still going, and so I was able to have that nostalgia and those experiences there. Mm. And then over to Nashville to master an album, um, which has changed in a completely different way. Nashville's booming. Yeah. Um, mm. And then over here to Detroit, which doesn't really seem to change too much. But I will say that uh, its reputation outward like elsewhere is changing when i tell people that i'm from detroit the detroit area when i'm out and about Mm -hmm. they go oh i hear that's having a comeback that detroit's doing really well which was not how things were when i first moved so yeah yeah well i mean if you really take a tour of detroit or if you could see like photos or film footage whatever in just in the last 15 20 years or even the last 10 you can see a huge difference, especially like downtown, midtown. Mm. I mean, I remember when like around Wayne State campus, like on Cass and that area, once you got south of Warren, it became, you know, basically almost a wasteland. It was still a Cass corridor. Now it's like almost completely filled all the way until you get downtown. And now we're getting all these awards, best riverfront. I know. Best place to come from out of town to see a sports game and all this other I stuff. I know. I do a lot of the social media for Girls Rock Detroit. So mm-hmm. I, I, I keep up with all of that. And I, I do a lot of the posting, the promo. And, you know, I'm still very proud for this to be a, a city that I'm close to and that I'm from. Mm-hmm. And, and very cool to, to come back. 
Okay, so let's go back again, if you don't mind, for a second. So how did this uh, Science for Sociopaths, how did it start? What, what was the idea that was going through your head when you began that? So there's two, it's, it's twofold. So um, it's uh, a name that I hope society will outgrow, and I won't, I won't get too in-depth into that. But um, so a sociopath is not a clinically terec- uh, correct term, but it is a colloquialism, I guess, at this point, for um, someone who doesn't experience empathy. And music, of all things, is a study in, in empathy and in mm-hmm. emotion and in understanding that part of humanness. And so um, I, I have a very... Di- Science for Sociopaths is a very dynamic, very emotional project. Mm-hmm. And so Science for Sociopaths, um, I thought of it as a study of that. Mm-hmm. And the other reason that I called it that was because uh, my own father is a, a, a sociopathic person mm-hmm. uh, for whom I was kind of a Britney Spears-esque experiment ah, okay. until I was in my early mid 20s mm-hmm. and so actually shortly before I started science for sociopaths mm-hmm. and um, uh, so it was kind of a, a, a tongue-in-cheek uh, jab at my origins uh, being something of a science experiment for a sociopath myself almost like a nod and a wink to your dad huh? yeah kind of <laughs> But that being said, I guess something really positive came out of your relationship with him, even though your relationship wasn't good, obviously. Yeah. You know, you 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 kind of made lemonade out of lemons. I, that's the only thing you can do. You know, that's what, what I think most people do is, you know, life gives you what it gives you and you, mm-hmm. you do the best you can with it. And I've been very, very fortunate. I feel like I had um, a, a pretty, I heard you swear earlier, so I'm just going to go for it. Is that okay? Yes. I feel like I was dealt a pretty shitty hand to mm-hmm. begin with. I'm not the shittiest. I've seen worse, but oh, yeah. um, I, uh, I feel like I've just had a string of good luck pretty much ever since. I've been working very hard on finding myself and what feels authentic to me mm-hmm. and the closer I get to that the the more momentum just everything seems to have for me naturally mm-hmm. mm. well again a lot of positive things like this gentleman we can't see on camera right now <laughs> <laughs> he's a very positive thing that's great I'm glad to hear that okay um, so once you uh, moved away you started out in San Francisco you hung out there for a while yeah but would you say everything really started to go into high gear when you ended up in New Zealand? Yeah, I would definitely say that because when I moved to San Francisco, which was one of the most expensive cities in the world at the time and and still is, Mm -hmm. um, I needed to pay my bills doing music and I needed to prove something to myself. I wanted to prove that I could function at the highest level of performance mm-hmm. that there is. And so I, I started applying for corporate work. And so I, I, um, I was very, very lucky there as well that I hit the ground running and got mm-hmm. into some corporate rosters right away and um, was able to pay San Francisco rent playing music, but of course not the music I wrote. Mm-hmm. And so I was gigging most nights of the week and mm-hmm. it was amazing. It was an incredible growth opportunity. I was playing with some of the best musicians in the country. Um, people who are in the touring bands for famous artists that you know and things like that who live in San Francisco and these are just the jobs that they do when they're not on the road and it was um, an incredible privilege uh, but it wasn't 
uh, it wasn't feeding my artistry. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't planning on leaving San Francisco when I left, but I ended up um, on tour doing original music. Uh, my blues project, which is called the Maggie Coco Band, I was opening for a New Zealand uh, blues artist named Billy TK. And so I went five weeks around New Zealand from San Francisco to there. Mm-hmm. And I met my now partner. Mm-hmm. on that tour. And then I came back to San Francisco and uh, we'd been, we started dating long distance and I went back to visit him and schedule a follow-up tour for Science for Sociopaths and only three weeks into that we were in the first COVID lockdown. And mm-hmm. I'd been in New Zealand ever since. <laughs> kind of like um, the hand of fate just you know, kind of did that for you. you know? It's like if, you, if COVID had not happened, how would your life been different? I know. Yeah, I know. I I, um, I can't even imagine, and I, I, I don't want to. <laughs> well, again, something positive happened. I think I will negative. always turn, you know, lemons into lemonade, but I'm very happy with the particular batches I've been making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, people don't realize that. In fact, you always see, you know, those, like, wise sayings on the Internet and all that, and sometimes they... Um, They'll remind you something always positive happens from something negative. You just have to seek it out, find it, or recognize it. And that, I think that's that's um, down to your, your down to uh, your personhood. You know, like you have to seek it, but it's always there. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in New Zealand, to your question, um, because there wasn't the corporate work that I been doing in San Francisco, I had to go out and create work for myself Mm -hmm. as a musician. And if I was going to create demand, I might as well be for my original music. So I Mm -hmm. started doing my original music again and just went full blast into that. And um, now we're here and I'm on on, uh, what I'm calling the analog tour. I'm touring my first self-produced analog album and coming back to Girls Rock Detroit where I used to volunteer um, before I moved to San Francisco and where I started volunteering again once everything moved online uh, during COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I'm currently serving as, as board chair and doing a lot of the programming and things like that. Um, now that's and, for Girls Rock Detroit? Yes, for Girls Rock Detroit. Okay. You're doing it from a distance, though. Mm, yes. Wow. I did not realize that. I, I knew that Girls Rock Detroit had been around for quite a while, but mm. that long. How long have they been around? They were established in 2015 okay. uh, by uh, three uh, Detroiters who had gone to Girls Rock Chicago to volunteer. So Girls Rock is an international uh, uh, collective Mm -hmm. that has a a shared ethos about getting people that have historically been, um, uh, had less opportunities in Mm -hmm. music, giving them those opportunities. So um, you, anybody anywhere in any city or or place can start a Girls Rock and the international branch will provide them with resources and, Mm -hmm. and things like that to help them get going. But it is entirely community run, largely volunteer run. Right. Um, and uh, grassroots, kind of grassroots um, also a very uh, a punk ethos and aesthetic mm-hmm. a lot of the time, which has been very interesting for me because I come from a very kind of, like I said, a more of a corporate commercial mm-hmm. background. So it's been um, it's been really interesting. And I think that that experience has also really fed into my conception for science for sociopaths as well. 
Okay, so forgive me if I missed what was going on there at the beginning. Now, did this start in Detroit, or where did it start, Girls Rock? So I don't know where the first Girls Rock camp ever was, but the Girls Rock Detroit uh, branch was inspired by Girls Rock Chicago. Okay, so three, so yeah, so three girl, uh, three. Uh, musicians from Detroit went to Girls Rock Chicago and came back and were like, Detroit needs this. And mm-hmm. they, so they launched it in 2015. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's grown since then. How many branches do you think they have approximately? Oh, uh, I've looked. Uh, pro- I think they're all over the world. Okay. There's there's probably hundreds of them. So in almost all civilized countries, they call it. If yeah, you will. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, and 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 everywhere that people feel the need for this. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so if you don't mind, uh, I mean, I kind of know, but you'll be able to explain it a lot better. Uh, Girls Rock Detroit. It's for the empowerment and to encourage women to express themselves correctly? Yes. So, Women, gender, non-binary, uh, transgender. So um, anybody who uh, uh, walks into a music store and feels like, oh, this this feels uncomfortable, like maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. I walked into a guitar center earlier today, and I've been a professional musician my whole life, and I was still like, I feel like they're looking at me funny. Yeah. <laughs> but who would have thought it many years ago that, you know, before it was just simply you were a female yeah. oh you can't be a bass player you're a woman or mm. you can't be a drummer you're a woman yeah but now in 2023 you got to worry about all this other stuff now things that have come to light is again about being binary transgender and i would imagine that even more recently you see things on the news all the time now there's there's more of a pushback isn't there yes mm. a big with more visibility comes more pushback but that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, movement that we want. We want more visibility. So we're, we're ready for that pushback. Mm-hmm. Well, I think if you all band together, I think you can do it. Thank you. <laughs> What's that? Fix it as in... Okay. All right. Sorry. Um, all right. So I, I lost my track of what I was saying. Okay. Um, so I know you're doing more than just uh, Simply Girls Rock. As far as your, your, you know, what you're doing here. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I uh, on um, uh, Monday the 18th, I am playing this album that I that I talked about. Um, it's called Like a Moth. So it's for the Project Science for Sociopaths. It's kind of like a concept album, but what it really is is a song cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's ten songs that together tell a single narrative. There's key relationships between the songs. There's a motif that's established at the beginning and recapitulated at different mm-hmm. points to show the evolution of the character and the story. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, this is uh, art song is it's something that I really nerded out over when I was at university. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I I studied opera performance and uh, I enjoyed opera for um, for the the technique and all of those things. But I really enjoyed 
art song, which would have been pieces that were written by opera composers for opera singers to sing in the off season. So they're not part of an opera. They're Mm -hmm. their own well, I say small, but their own pieces that can be anywhere from five songs to like 30 something songs wow. that um, are uh, that have these characteristics, the key relationships and the mm-hmm. motif and the themes. Um, and they were for a single singer and either a piano accompanist or a small orchestra or something like that. And um, I, I just loved them. I loved how deep the uh, how how nuanced the composition could mm-hmm. be yeah. like every little thing would um, maybe not maybe not every little thing was intentional but you could read into every every little thing and how it added mm-hmm. to the piece of music and um and just like a, a just like a piece of literature and I loved that mm-hmm. about it and so I wanted to do that when I was in New Zealand, I was getting back to what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I decided to make science for sociopaths my my nerd project, if okay. you will, my kind of where I'm like, I'm going to go really deep into all the little mm-hmm. musical things that I really like. Mm-hmm. And um, so I ended up doing contemporary art song. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a very... Uh complicated project there but you've been working on it for a long time i have um since it was a 2020 it was a covid kind of uh rebirth mm-hmm. and then uh, i performed it for the first time or premiered it at uh, a fringe festival mm-hmm. in new zealand are you familiar with fringe festivals I've heard of them, yes. I've never yeah. been to one, but yeah. Yeah, they're an opportunity for it, so for all kinds of art forms, but for anything that isn't commercial mm-hmm. to be featured. Fringe is the, the key word. So the more experimental, the more fringe. Exactly. Noise. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually feel that even with my song cycle being the way that it was, that it was particularly fringe because the way that I write is, um, it's nuanced, but it is quite accessible. Mm-hmm. And uh, so because of that, I decided to invite uh, visual artists to perform Mm -hmm. with me and we would just figure it out. And I was also new to the area and and just wanted to meet other people. Mm -hmm. And so I put out a call and was like, who would like to do a show with me? And uh, the first show I did, I had two dancers um, reach out and say that they wanted to perform. And we ended up doing the performance at uh, an art gallery where there was this giant... um, uh, interactive sculpture uh-huh. on the wall, and so we. I decided. Um, I was just, I was just playing jazz. I decided <laughs> that what we would do was the dancers would dance while I played, and then we would all like freeze like statues, and then the audience would get up and interact with the the sculpture, which was the backdrop to the entire thing, mm-hmm. and basically make it reflect how they what they were feeling throughout the course of the mm-hmm. of the show. And we had a photographer who kind of captured each um, version mm-hmm. of the sculpture. And you could see the progression, and it was so fascinating mm-hmm. to see um, with this, this sort of limited way to interact how people um, made it reflect what they were feeling as individuals mm-hmm. and also as a unit. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a sold-out show, and it was a resounding success, and we were asked to come back and do it again. But we didn't have the same venue, and I didn't have the same collaborators. So I was given an empty warehouse and a painter. 
Yeah. And so uh, we we got a 2.4 by 2.4 meter canvas, which we put in uh, the middle of this empty warehouse. Mm -hmm. And I played the song cycle and the painter would paint while I was playing. And then we would pause and the audience would get up and just do whatever they wanted to this canvas. Mm -hmm. And then the painter would have to work it into, you know, Mm -hmm. and sort of adapt their vision as they went. And again, photographer. And so we had 10, so much paint. We had like six buckets of paint and then ended up with like, because 10 songs, like 10 layers mm-hmm. of paint. Um, and each one, um, if you look back at the picture, is kind of its mm-hmm. own its own painting, its own evolution of um, where the character um, is. And um, uh, so, and then at the end of that, I had this giant, the painter was like, well, it's it's all yours. And I was like, oh, and I had this ginormous painting that mm-hmm. takes up an entire wall in my house. Um, <laughs> thank you, hun. For <laughs> and um, we just felt like we were onto something. So we kept doing it. And uh, we ended up with lots of paintings and things like that. We ended up having two different art exhibitions, mm-hmm. which felt, felt like cheating, to be honest. I'm a musician. I'm not an artist. But yeah. I had all these different mediums. We've worked with artists of, uh, we've worked with light projection artists. We've worked with um, more dancers. We've worked with a textile artist who created a dress on her body in real time, hmm. like over the course of the show. And for each of these things, worked with the artist in the space Mm -hmm. to create an audience participation component so that um, everybody was thoroughly exhausted. (laughs) At the end of these shows, everybody felt like they'd really, like been part of something um and Almost we were like able a stream of consciousness yes know? and we were able and i played it a little bit differently each time because i was really trying to vibe with what um the audience was giving me and the artist was giving me and i also uh i really do i did some uh like semitonal and atonal mm-hmm. musics at, in at university um and so i started to throw some of that in there when it felt like the character was really like mm-hmm. the character was out of it i got out of it kind of thing and it was really really fun and it, it and impactful and it worked for the album I kept it tonal um, about a year and a half into doing the show we were approached by the owner of an analog studio in New Zealand who was mm-hmm. like I want you to record your show here and I was like I don't I don't really have any money and <laughs> stuff like that and he's like I am retired more or less and I just really want good art to be made Mm -hmm. in my studio and I don't want any money up front Mm -hmm. and you can take as long as you want. Wow. And so I took, and I'd never recorded analog before. So I had to learn the whole process and everything. I took 18 months to record this album. I recorded it for piano and voice Mm -hmm. and I got to a point where I felt like there had been so much collaboration in the development of this Mm -hmm. cycle that it felt weird for it to be just me mm-hmm. on it. I felt like I needed uh, the, a, other another voice um, to to bring that collaborative component to it. And so I found I was recommended. I was looking for a cellist, and I was recommended the same person by several people. The only problem is she was in the UK, oh, and okay. I was like that. Hmm. We're recording analog, so it will it will change the dynamic. Um, but eventually I called her and we had a conversation and I just knew that she was on my wavelength mm-hmm. and that um, she she would would uh, she would she brought so much to it. She understood she uh, like me. She also studied classically, but then worked in contemporary popular music. And so mm-hmm. she was like, I know I she's like, I she just 
she really loved the that the album was dynamic and that it I wasn't just asking her for a sad cello mm-hmm. part and that I wasn't telling her exactly what to play. I was telling her what it needed to accomplish. Okay. You know, and letting her as the expert in her instrument be like you know, bring bring herself, and um, she's got a composition degree, so she's actually like more qualified than me. She like, and um, and she was amazing. What she's mm-hmm. brought to it is so much greater than the sum of its parts, which has been kind of the the theme of this whole project. Mm-hmm. And so um, we've just finished recording it, and we we as basically as soon as we finished, well, so it was like a sixty six percent analog album because we had the cello recorded in in the UK and then right. sent to us in New Zealand and then put through mm-hmm. the, the tape and everything like yeah. that. And so um, so not a fully analog, definitely a hybrid mm-hmm. process. But the the core of it, the the vocal and the piano, those takes, it was a, a truly analog process where we had to more or less get the right takes okay um which which feels really really good and organic and and again true to the true to the the project you know similar mm-hmm. to a live show and then um so about at the time that we finished it we uh were approached so mickey mickey's a musician as well and so he and i were playing a show in auckland and we were approached by a couple who said we'd love you to come play our family party in the united states Mm-hmm. And so they paid for our plane tickets wow. to come home. Mm-hmm. And this was only uh, about three months ago, maybe, if that. And um, so I had that long to schedule everything that I'm doing <laughs> over this Got this little six mini weeks tour and, that you're doing. And, yeah, getting to see everybody. And um, I was like, heads up, I'm coming. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, it just this is that's what I mean by, like, we're just riding this wave. Mm-hmm. You know, um, our sound engineer uh, or mastering engineer, Piper Payne, is in Nashville, and she also happens to own a vinyl plant and to mm-hmm. be like to, to specialize in. Um, I say happens to because she was my mastering engineer before I even endeavored on this project. And I didn't actually know that she owned a vinyl plant or that she specialized mm-hmm. in <laughs> vinyl mastering. I just knew her from yeah. from before. So, yeah, just the stars are aligning. Wonderful. Mm. Okay, so I think we got to squeeze in a couple of songs. So, oh, yes. Um, first off, you're going to be at the Ark in Ann Arbor on Monday, correct? Yes, on Monday the 18th, and I'll play the album in its entirety, and I have uh, uh, Anthony Marchese joining me on uh, cello, and mm-hmm. I will be joined by Joanna Sterling mm-hmm. um, of Ann Arbor, and um, she has an incredible new album out called Queen of Wands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I think we'll uh, end up talking more about this uh, next week because we have Jackie Daniels yes. going to be coming in here for an interview so we can go more into what's coming up. But I think we should mention it. You have the Music Mavens of Michigan. It's a fundraiser for Girls Rock Detroit. Yes. That's going to happen December 22nd. That's a week from tomorrow, correct, on Friday? Yes. And uh, I'm not really familiar. I know I've heard of it, Tin Roof Detroit. I know that's all the way downtown, right? Yes, and I'm very excited about it. And there's a few fundraisers happening downtown that night. So if you're feeling ambitious, I would because, you know, parking is parking. So find your parking spot and pop into several different music concert fundraisers, support, you know, all of the these these really good causes in mm-hmm. Detroit that night, support local music. Um, 
um, all of the, so uh, Music Mavens of Michigan is a lineup of entirely uh, uh, women singer-songwriters who um, m- most of us have uh, uh, various awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us even have Grammy nods and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 I'm so excited to be playing with everybody on this lineup. And um, it's one of the first things that I, when I knew I was coming home, that I was like, I'm going to put together, I'm going to reach out to all of these people who I want to see, and we're just mm. going to put together a show, and it's going to be awesome. All right. So what I can see here, we have Julianne Ankley, Faye Burns, yourself, Gwyneth Hayes, Coco, is it Butterfly? Yeah, but Jack, Jackie Daniels, and of course, we were talking about Julia Rose, Audra Kubat, Kubat, she is really huge here in Detroit. Yes. And Carolyn Strio has been added on to that. So I think it's like a 20 buck uh, suggested donation. You, of course, you can give way more than that if you feel like it. But again, that's happening a week from tomorrow at the uh, Tin Roof Detroit on Adams Avenue. So why don't we do a couple of songs? I think we got to squeeze that in. Yeah, let's do that. All right. We'll give uh, Maggie a second to walk over there. Um, don't forget, coming around 7 o'clock, we have the band Spur Tongue. They're going to do a live performance for us. We'll probably squeeze one video in between after uh, we hear a couple of songs from Maggie. And I guess whenever you are ready. Uh, we have liftoff okay i'm gonna do uh the first two vocal tracks off the album
go. All right, I think we got time for one more. Unfortunately, uh, we're running out of time, so I'm going to have to go into a video after this. Um, we're going to play Rattlesnake Shake. They're going to play Saturday at the Cadu Cafe. They're a Fleetwood Mac uh, tribute band, the early stuff, if you will. They're, and this video is going to feature Jeremy Spencer, who was originally in Fleetwood Mac way back in the day. So I, um, once again, thank you so much for coming down, Maggie, and having hanging out with us and sharing your story and your music. Uh, please come back, and maybe you can come back with Jackie next week if you have time. I yeah, know. it's good to see you again. All right, so we're going to do one more? Yeah, this is, uh, the if there were a single off the album, this would be it. It's called I See You. Okay. Danger, danger, said the girl on fire. Somebody please help me out This world is colder than a man could say My bones are rattling without Then I see you Waiting through the water You come on through Just to help me out I never knew This love was My body breaks, this pain is never ending I feel so broken to the core Sometimes I think that I will be my ending Sometimes I think I have no more Then I see you Waiting through the water you push up Show them through Back to 
It is 7 o'clock, and you know what that means. It is time for a live band performance, although we've already had some live music, haven't we? We're having a great show today, and I am lucky enough to have these gentlemen. I you're, use that term loosely, of course. Spur tongue. How you doing, gentlemen? Good. How you doing? Good, good. Just make sure you speak all the way into the microphone like when you're singing, and um, I think we're ready to go. What would you like to start with? Well, this is a song called Bread to Lie. Yes, I'm walking out the door today I leave my problems far behind Got no one to tell me what to do Got no one to treat unkind Don't you ever question me Terry Cause that's the way it's gotta be I'm bred to lie and deceive Things go rushing through my mind I don't think I got the time Don't you ever question me Interrogate my integrity Cause that's the way it's gotta be Yeah. 
Like we always do at the beginning of the show, why don't we go around the room, uh, introduce yourselves, starting with you, sir. I'm uh, Matt Thompson. Hey, Matt. I got guitars. Okay. There we go. I'm Scott Wright, rhythm guitar, vocals. I'm Chris Peters, bass guitar, backup vocals. And last but not least. I'm uh, Stian Sanderud. I uh, played uh, lead drums and percussion. Okay. So how long have you guys been together? As Spur Tongue, anyway. Well, as Spur Tongue, probably, I don't know, three years, four years? Hmm. A couple years. Yeah, a couple years. Okay. We go back as, uh, you know, Chris, Matt, and I, as the Crabs back in the mid-90s, and everybody got married, had families, and got divorced, and now here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you kind of... I'm still married. He's still married. He's married. Yeah, half the band. We're still married. No, they haven't. They haven't learned yet, have they? You know. <laughs> so you kind of lost your way. You got married, and then you came back and started doing music again. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on your opinion, doesn't it? <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to hear a lot of tunes here. Um, these uh, songs are they available on on any physical releases or just digital or? Uh, you can find them. Okay, so uh, we'll figure out which ones are the originals, which ones are the covers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All right, why don't we do another one? This one's called MC Blues. <laughs> Thank you. 
MC Blues. What does the MC stand for? Motor City. Ah, okay. I should have thought of that, but <laughs> it's been a long day. <laughs> so you said that you gentlemen were in a band called the Crabs back in the 90s. Was it, I, I, forgive me, I didn't, uh, I wasn't aware of the band back then. Was it a similar style to what you're doing now? 
Well, it was a little more, uh, well, it was during the grunge era, so it was a little grungy and, <laughs> you know, we're, I mean, we've come a little, we've done a little <clears throat> country eyes and certain stuff, but we try to keep it hard. Yeah, so you've kind of mellowed out a little bit as you've gotten older. I guess as much as we're gonna. Yeah, yeah, you got to keep fighting all the way to the end. That's right. When you get mellow, then you know it's time to go. Hey, when it's too loud, you're too old. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that one. I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> but we all grew up on uh, louder music. Uh, you were saying uh, earlier, Matt, how uh, something about uh, something that you used to listen to now puts you to sleep. Yeah. When I was a kid, mm -hmm. if I put it on and just try to listen to the whole album, I will drift off. <laughs> it's like a lullaby almost at this point. I would think, and it's something heavy too. It's not like you know. Oh yeah, mellow. like I could put a, I could put on uh, "Ride the Lightning" by Metallica and fall asleep to it. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but because it's all so familiar, I think is what it really is. Who would think that, you know, somebody that hasn't heard that before, like, oh, my God, you know, that, that's, that's really <laughs> yeah. heavy and that's hard. Yeah. And for us, it's like, oh, yeah, that, that's a lullaby to us. Yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing sometimes. It, it, it's even like when I try to watch TV at night, it seems like the more action-packed, the more exciting, the more explosions, the mo more likely I am to fall asleep watching it. Something, you know, really quiet and dialogue, I, I can stay awake for. Yeah, you got to pay attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it sounds like uh, all four of you have a diverse taste in music. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big time. Yeah. He's a thrash drummer, so he, he doesn't fall asleep to Metallica or Slayer. No. No? no? Yeah. Well, I, no, I, I didn't mean that as a diss either. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it's not, but um, it's, it's great to listen to all different kinds of music. That's what makes it great. So keeps thing, things interesting. Okay, what would you like to play now? Uh, this one's called uh, What Goes On. This is a Velvet Underground tune. Ooh, nice.
slide there Matt <laughs> who uh, who were you listening to that got you into that playing the slide that's guitar it's my first time playing slide really yes well you did an well, amazing job considering yeah you have any favorites uh, people that you've seen do that before or? Uh, I really like Derek trucks Derek trucks for a slide guitar I don't know if you could beat him mm -hmm. like um, skill wise but there's a lot of guys out there can't name them off the top of my head right this second. <laughs> well, you, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot to that point, you know, but... But, yeah, I, like, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a connoisseur of slide guitar, but mm -hmm. that song just called out, needed a slide. Okay, well, Derek definitely had some uh, inspirations himself where he came from. Oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I wanted to ask you about that guitar. That, that's kind of interesting, you know, for the type of band that I'm listening to right now, the, the sparkle and everything. Uh, it's a 1965 Epiphone made in Kalamazoo Olympic. Wow, 65. Yeah. That's when they... they <laughs> that's I bought it as a husk. There was nothing on it but the guitar painted. Oh, really? Yeah. It's the oldest one in the band. <laughs> <laughs> Is it older than everybody in the band, though? Yes. <laughs> barely. Yeah. Only barely, though, yeah, but yeah. Just barely, huh? Wow. So how did you find it? eBay. eBay, really? Yeah. So somebody just offered it like it was, and you just said, hmm. Yeah, there was no pickups, no electronics, no hardware. Just that sparkle. Just the gold sitting there, and I said I had to have that. So almost like a girl with a diamond, you yeah. know, shiny thing. It was shiny. <laughs> well, that's cool. But yeah. I learned on a uh, Gibson Melody Maker okay. uh, 59 that my dad gave to me. Nice. And I have that guitar still. It's in glass. Oh, Because wow. the headstock's busted off like three times, so I don't mm. play it anymore. So I, I prefer these guitars. They just feel like home. Okay. Yeah, I got one from my dad when he passed, a 59 Fender Mustang. Um, 
It, uh, it's seen its better days because he played it in bars down in, you know, Tennessee and everything. So it, it's, you could never sell for anything because the serial number's gone. There was, like, cigarette burns on it and, you know, the, how people used to do that, put their cigarettes and oh, yeah. as they were playing and all that stuff. But it's still a beautiful, wonderful guitar. Yeah, everybody that owned that one has their name or their initials carved into the back of it. Yeah, yeah, and you could you could tell. I mean, no offense to that one. I know that that one's a newer one, isn't it, Scott? Uh, it's a twelve. Okay, yeah, but I mean, you just feel the difference. You hold a twelve, and you hold a late fifties Fender. It's like oh yeah. <laughs> that guitar or bass has an interesting story. Ah. Yeah. Tell us, Chris. Do well, I've had it for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably had it for almost thirty years now. It looks like it's seen its better days, yeah, yeah. but it still plays well. Yeah, and, and for our sound, I, I use it in this band. You mm-hmm. know, I don't really play it in anything else, but it, it's signed by Gene Simmons. Oh, wow. Yeah, before they got back together doing their... Uh, I had it signed for them at the uh, KISS convention yeah, downtown in about 95. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was about 95. So... It, that was kind of like before they really came back, so to speak. The year before. Yeah. 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 They were doing that uh, tour where they were just showing you their old costumes and their old memorabilia. Yeah. And mm. Then they did a fan sign day. And he worked at uh, Scanlon Music. Oh, Scanlon Music. Wow. Yeah. There's another blast. With, with, with Rick Craig, you know, or as Rick. the manager, you know. Oh, okay. From Halloween. Fame. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. But gotcha. yeah, so they they took a bunch of guitars to have the band sign it, and he's like, "Hey, man, I'm going down there. You want them to?" Because Gene played this on Kiss Alive. Oh, so, that so, particular model. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's like, "Oh, you want them to sign it?" I'm like, ah, "I mean, I'm I was never into Kiss like these guys were, but I'm like, yeah, screw it, have them sign it." What the hell, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't hurt, right? But but it's not like he was like, "Oh, hey, man, I used to play one." He he didn't care. He was just no, signing yeah, them. Next, oh, yeah. next, next. You know, he was just uh, collecting a paycheck like he always has. Like he always has. <laughs> <laughs> he's a businessman. All right. When we uh, we should get to another song, I think, right? Okay, this is one of this is a Jagger Richards number. Oh, actually, I'm lying. This is one of ours. It's bread line.
Haven't heard that one in a while. Alrighty. So um, you said that uh, these songs are available, your your songs that is, uh, digitally. Um, any plans to do any physical releases, or we're just going to be live band for now? Uh, well, <clears throat> we talked about going in the studio and recording some stuff, and we're working on some newer stuff mm -hmm. that we need to get tight. So we're going to venture into the studio and record some stuff. Yeah, just curious. So probably sometime next year, you think? Yeah, definitely. First few months here, we, we've got a studio picked out. We've got a, mm -hmm. a producer that we're going to use, and uh, we have uh, we have about five uh, new originals. We got a couple of more that we're working on, mm -hmm. so we can put kind of a, a full length thing together. We're going to go in there for a day and do it. We wanted to just do it all instead of doing like four tune EP or something like that. We're just want to kind of do them all at that time okay you might not record them all at the same time but you're gonna it's true it's true the yeah. goal is to do a full length Correct. eventually Correct. okay yeah. is it uh too early to t uh, say where or with who or uh well it, it is kind of too early it's going to be down river it's going to be in in allen park okay you know so. all right well when you come back next time you talk more about it then yeah, we'll bring it <laughs> there you go there you go uh any live shows coming up at all for you uh, we got some stuff coming up uh, next year. Uh, this is kind of it for the year. Mm -hmm. We got, uh, where, where was that place? Uh, old Miami. Old Miami. Um, you know, 420. Yeah. Yeah. Like actual April 20th. Yeah. yeah. April They're 20th. already planning that, huh? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When, if you want to play there, you got to, it's quite a ways out, you know. Yeah, they, they're one of the few places doing as well as they're, uh, they are. But, of course, they had that built-in audience with the college crowd. Captive. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, there are definitely a lot of people who go there for the music, but then you have a lot of people there. They're just there to be there, you know. They, they have they, a nice backyard. Yes, they do, but it's just a perfect location. Like some, a lot of those college kids, they just, you know, climb out their window or go down the front porch, and they're right there at Old Miami, you know. Well, we, we played there, you know, in the 90s, so it was kind of like going home for us. They yeah. Didn't, they didn't have the yard, though. That's no. that's cool. Well, even the neighborhood, though, I mean, you didn't, it's not like it is today. No, you loaded in, everybody watched everybody load in and out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was kind of I, I don't want to say scary, but definitely different than it is today. That's for sure. Yeah, it's come a long way. But they run it well though now, and and you know they do it right. As far as uh, all the local venues, I, I think Old Miami Cheryl Larson she does, you know, a lot of stuff for us. So mm -hmm. they just do it right there. Okay, you know? do you have any idea who you're playing with on there? Is it going to be like a big all day thing or? I would, I haven't gotten a confirmation, so I wouldn't want to say. But we're trying to get uh, a pretty well known band. Uh, headline for us we'll probably play the second spot okay more details to be more announced details, yeah. so if somebody wants to find out about that uh, let us know about where to find that you have facebook we website do, we do got facebook we're on insta and uh again you can find our material on reverb nation okay so it's all under spur tongues yep okay Spelled like it sounds. We also have a YouTube. Oh, yeah. but spelled like it sounds. Yeah. Well, you know, you, sometimes you have to clarify that because sometimes people um, don't spell it the right, you know, the, the way you would think. And sometimes you can find it anyway. And sometimes if you don't spell it exactly the way it's supposed to be, then, you know, you're SOL. Then then go on and check some of our uh, live stuff on YouTube. And we got mm -hmm. some other promotional yeah. videos on there. You have your own little YouTube channel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so the, the name the name came. Well, see, we're the three original members of the Crabs, and we had a song called Spur Tongue. Okay. So we were like, oh, you know, we're not the Crabs anymore. We're older and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So you know, yeah. we kicked it around. We're like, well, why don't we name ourselves after one of the songs that we used after to about five hundred options? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Well, you still had a you know a, a place right back to back around to the beginning. <laughs> yeah, come full circle. Um, where did that? Um, the name of that song come from originally though well that's that's a tough call we 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 honestly don't know we can't remember that was 30 years ago that was that was a lot of that was a lot of Coors Lights ago <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Coors Lights ago I like that wasn't exactly the 70s but it's still kind of hazy though mm -hmm. well. but we got Stian now and Stian Stian came to us from Norway he was in a uh what was it what do you call that black metal death metal no, thrash uh, I, I call it bay area thrash like kind of like exodus uh mm -hmm. testament you know old school uh metallica slayer megadeth kind of that style okay yeah that's definitely not black or death no okay. it's, it's i'd call it you know technical technical thrash okay you know, bay area thrash 86 mm. to 90 you know that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i met him at uh a craigslist buy and i detected a bit of an accent he had an aussie shirt on with the sleeves cut off and i just said where are you from and he said norway i said do you play music why yes i do <laughs> i'm like you're kidding <laughs> yeah I i'm was, actually a drummer i'm like you're kidding <laughs> yeah that's a cool story actually because i was selling some um uh magic the gathering that's some trading cards on craigslist and then I met Matt here, you know, at the police station in Romulus, you know, and uh, the police station yeah, in Romulus. You, you don't yeah. want to do uh, Craigslist deals. These, these are tidy little Craigslisters. Right? These yeah. were counterfeit <laughs> you know, cards. Listen, if you want to do a Craigslist deal, you got to do it at a public place, preferably a police station. You know, uh, you never know what's out there. But 
Uh, yeah, hmm. so we uh, we exchanged numbers, and I was um, out there. we haven't looked back <laughs> since, you know? Okay. So you weren't literally in the police station, you know? No, no, no outside, we met out front. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so you just figured that'd be a safe place to do it. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You, you tend to act right in a police parking lot. It wasn't right? a night in the drunk tank. And we <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't go near a police station. I got too many pictures on the wall. So. <laughs> All right, why don't we do another one? This is going to be the uh, Richards Jagger thing. Yes.
version of that that's cool a little more rock and rollish one would wonder if that would have been more like what it would have sounded if uh rolling stones were trying to kind of for just that moment there so to speak ate the beatles <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden everybody had to be psychedelic there for a year or two we couldn't play it that slow no you <laughs> matt would go to sleep right <laughs> but that is a cool song i always liked that no, i did too um, to me, it was like really the only good song on that album. That was my... That and uh, 2000 Man. Yeah, yeah. In fact, there was an uh, I saw an uh, interview with Mick Jagger, and that's kind of basically his take on it. Mm -hmm. He just said, other than a couple of songs, and it might have been that one, I don't remember, but 2000 Light Years, he says that basically the album is thick. It also had She's Like a Rainbow. That was a good one. Okay. Um, she's a Rainbow. She's a Rainbow, yeah, yeah. That might have been the song, but uh, other than that, I remember listening to the whole thing front to back, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Strange. And not, definitely not one of my favorite Rolling Stones albums, that's for sure. You know? It'd be at the bottom of the list if I had to put it somewhere. <laughs> but definitely that song is a good one. All righty, what do we have now? Uh, this one's called Seasons. This one went back to the crab days of the mid-'90s, so this is original. Fall to the ground 
turning brown Sunshine seems to slip away And now my tears are filled in gray Almost every day If I could, I would take you to a place of love to go. Crack a bottle of wine and leave behind the world we used to know. That one um, is an oldie, you said, 90s. I mean, I, I don't care what anybody says. It, it's 30 years ago. To me, that's an oldie. <laughs> <laughs> People want to, like, label it classic rock or whatever. Oh, you it's know. classic rock now, right? Yeah, They'd I know. they play that on 94.7. No, they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you write those songs, Scott? I'm curious, since you said 30 years. Is it older than me, or is it... You, uh, you were two years old. Oh, so you wrote this in 94. Five. Did I, did I hit your birthday? 92. Oh, 92. Okay, it's three years older than you. All right, wow. cool, cool, cool. He was still learning how to pee in the toilet. I'm still learning how to walk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's still working on all that. Huh? <laughs> um, is that uh, possibly going to be on the uh, finished record eventually? Are you going to do any older songs or just new ones? We might put that one on. It's an idea, right? Th those those were recorded 
uh, back in the day. Oh, okay. On on uh, reel, you know, uh, what do they call that? Two inch. Two inch tape. Yeah. Tape. Yeah. Pete Banker actually recorded that. Probably wow. Ninety five. Okay. That's that's the greatest way to get a source for a song, though, is a tape like that. Mm -hmm. So you could actually do that if you wanted. Yeah, we'll see, right? Okay, why don't we keep it going there? Looks like uh, another Stone song? Yeah, yeah, we're heavily influenced by the Stones and Kiss and, you know, he's an Ace Frehley fan. Ah. All rock and roll. At the end of the day, yes, it is rock and roll. Okay.
the stones what do you gentlemen think of the new one have you heard any of it i heard a couple of songs off it i thought it was pretty cool mm-hmm. i mean for you know 80 years old yeah what do you think it's it's pretty good it's produced by a younger guy mm-hmm. you know and he's been producing a lot of a lot of people lately so mm-hmm. i think that once he got them into the studio and they they worked at it mm-hmm. you know uh they're, they're, they made good music there yeah, I think it's a pretty decent album. I think it's, like you said, for being that old and being around that uh, long, we don't accept, expect them to blow our minds or reinvent themselves. They're like 78, 79, 80? Um, yeah, I think uh, Jagger's turned, uh, might have turned 80. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, Charlie's gone, and he was in his 80s. He was 85, wasn't he? 84? Mm-hmm. I don't quite that old, but still, I mean, he th- he'd had his... Um, but he definitely left his mark. He's a great man. All right, let's squeeze some more in. We have, uh, what do we have now? Uh, This one's called New Way, and it's a new tune.
Once again, Spur Tongue, 11 Mile Sessions Live. Well, looks like we're almost out of time. Um, why don't we do this, if, if you don't mind? Let's do a one-two punch. You want to finish off with these last two songs, and we'll uh, call it a day or an evening, if you will. Uh, once again, Matt, Scott, Chris, Stian, thank you so much for coming down. It's been a gas. Remember that term? <laughs> thank you pleasure. for inviting us. My pleasure. All right, so we're going to finish off with... Reject. Reject. And the other one, Sunday School? Yep, that'll be Sunday School. All right.
I'm a weary road and I think I'm gonna crash and burn. I'll drink beer on Sunday afternoon. Right when I get home from Sunday school. Sunday school. Sunday school. Sunday school. Sunday school. Sunday school.